Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel and Hookset. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. Repentance and restoration this morning. Repentance and restoration. Uh, I, I think that this word repentance kind of gets a bad rap. You hear the word repentance, how do you feel when you hear that word? Repent. Anybody, does that conjure up anything for you? Is it a little scary maybe? I was talking to my wife this week, we talk sometimes. And um, I was preaching some of this message to her, which she graciously allows me to work things out. And we're talking about this word repentance and, and uh, sometimes the word repentance is either diminished to mean nothing or, or it's emphasized beyond its meaning. And it's important that as Christians we understand repentance is important to us. We, we should be living lives of repentance. And without repentance there is no restoration. Without the bad news there is no there's no good news. And we talk about gospel preaching churches. If there's no sin, there's no need for a savior. If there's no hell, there's no need for a rescue. And there are a lot of churches that kind of forget that. And it's all about God has a plan for your life. And listen, I believe God has a plan for your life. I love God's plan for my life. And God has a mission and a purpose for all of us. And that's fantastic. And, and God loves us and will never leave us and will never let us go. And I love that song. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, but, but guys, without the bad news, there is no good news. We don't just live on mountaintops forever. And so repentance deals with some of that bad news. But repentance itself is not bad news. Repentance is beautiful. Repentance is a gift from God. It's amazing. We, we, we tend to focus on the restoration part, but boy, the repentance part is a beautiful gift from God. So will you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 51, one of the most well-read psalms in all of the book of Psalms. It is David's prayer for forgiveness. And boy, if you've blown it, you're feeling like there's no hope for me. I've blown it again. I've ignored God's whispers. I'm just, I am just so steeped in sin and filth, and I'm so sick of myself, and I can't stand to look in the mirror anymore. And you, because of that, have become a cranky, angry, difficult to get along with person, by the way. If you're a believer and you've got unconfessed and undealt with sin in your life, and that's not you, you're not like being impacted by that, I would check your faith in Jesus. Be gracious to me, God, according to your faithful love, 
according to your abundant compassion, blot out, look what he says there, blot out my rebellion. Blot out my rebellion. Sometimes we think sin is an accident. You ever hear somebody say that? Ah, I made a mistake. I made a mistake. Forgive me for my mistake. God clarifies that here in this verse, doesn't he? Doesn't he? I mean, uh, you got a husband that steps out on his wife and I lost directions on the way home. Siri sent me to this other woman's house. I can't. It was a total accident. I stumbled up the stairs and into her bed. I have no idea how it happened. It was an accident. It was a mistake. I made a mistake, babe. How many of you would think that's a good way to address your sin with your wife? Oh, it was a mistake. I just made a mistake. No, that was done on purpose. You didn't trip and fall into her bed. My clothes fell off. And vice versa. Sin is serious. And by the way, this series is, this uh, sermon is on the Bible app, uh, the Version Bible app. If you want to follow along on that, take notes, make highlights, please do. Completely wash away my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. For I am conscious of my rebellion and my sin is always before me. Against you, you alone, I have sinned and done this evil in your sight. So you're right when you pass sentence. You are blameless when you judge. There's a lot of people that don't want to accept that today. I'm not that bad. It's not that bad. Well, here's the heart of repentance. God, you are right to judge what I have done. You are blameless when you sentence me. I deserve it. I deserve it. You want to begin testing true repentance, that's one way to test. No excuses, full acceptance, determined to change. We'll take a look at that in a minute. Indeed, I was guilty when I was born. I was sinful when my mother conceived me. Surely you desire integrity in the inner self. You teach me wisdom deep within. Purify me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. And that alludes back to the, um, to the book of Deuteronomy and Leviticus where God gave purification laws uh, to the children of Israel. They would take a branch of hyssop and dip it in blood and sprinkle it on items that needed to be purified and and they would be declared clean. Let me hear joy and gladness, lest the, let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Turn your face away from my sins and blot out my guilt. God, create in me a clean heart. Renew, renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore the joy of your salvation to me and sustain me by giving me a living, a willing spirit. And then, then, I will teach the rebellious your ways and sinners will return to you. Save me from the guilt of bloodshed. God, oh God of my salvation, my tongue will sing your righteousness. 
And this was the sin of David in specifics, wasn't it? He had a man named Uriah killed because he had raped his wife. In my opinion, when you're the king and you call a woman before you and you say you're going to come lie with me, the woman has no choice. She's going to go lie with you. And so he took advantage of this woman Bathsheba. And then she found out she was pregnant. And now he's embarrassed. He's full of shame. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll have Uriah come back from the front lines, send him into his wife for a conjugal visit, and then send him back. And then the baby will be theirs, and I won't have to deal with it, and everything will be great. Or he could have just told her to have an abortion. Of course, that's not biblical, is it? So, Uriah comes home, Uriah is a man of integrity, and he said, yeah, I, how can I possibly sleep inside, in bed, with my wife, while my brothers in arms are overseas, or over in the, on the front lines, dying for their kingdom? I won't do it. So he slept on the ground. Well, now David finds, about, finds out about this, and he's, he's not happy. There's got to be some other way. So he conceives this maniacal, idiotic thing. And he calls his generals and he says, put Uriah at the front line. Make sure you put him where the battle is hottest. I'm going to take care of this problem. Which they did. And obviously, Uriah was killed. So here David is begging God to forgive him for the guilt of bloodshed. The beautiful thing about Scripture is God shows us that He can and will forgive the most heinous of sin. Uh, and I just mentioned abortion a moment ago, and I have seen some right-wing, hardcore conservatives. I'm on Twitter now, and, and the last three or four posts I think I made was, can you just stop making us all look bad? Can you do a little research before you uh, repeat a lie and make a bunch of us look like idiots? Abortion is, in most cases, a sin. And some would say in all cases, and I, I make exception for life of mother and for rape and incest. Now, I know that some of you disagree with me. And I can't say the scripture says that and supports that. I'm just saying this is my opinion. My brother-in-law, Troy, who is a great friend of mine, him and I disagree on this point. Uh, it's not the official point of the church. This is my, my feeling. Um, but it is not a sin which cannot be forgiven. And it is not a sin that Jesus did not die for. And it is not a sin that we, we, should crush the people who have been involved in it. We should love them to Jesus. We should show them there's a way out. And instead I hear screaming, and see screaming in all caps. Sometimes I think that people that don't understand texting and social media should not be on it. That's not in the sermon anywhere. Except to say that if you're here this morning and you have had an abortion, it is not something that God will not forgive you for.
God loves you no less because of it. And he wants to draw you to himself and pour his grace into you and free you from the heartache that you carry. Moving along. Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You don't want sacrifice or I would give it. You're not pleased with burnt offering. Think about what he's saying here. There is only one offering that God accepts for our sin, and that is the offering of Jesus. And it's a sincere spirit that leads us to that offering, as you see. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humbled heart, God. That is repentance. That is what leads us to offer the sacrifice of Jesus for our sins. Not a sacrifice that we have made, but one that he has made. And it's the only way to receive cleansing and forgiveness. If you're in your good pleasure, cause Zion to prosper, build walls of Jerusalem, then you will delight in righteous sacrifice, whole burnt offerings, and bulls will be offered at your altar. And those are acts of worship and praise. And so... The powerful path of repentance is laid out for us in this passage of Scripture. The powerful path of repentance is laid out for us in this passage of Scripture. The first thing that we want to look at is regret. Regret, right? This, this man, this man King David, clearly had regret in his heart and in his life. He did things that he wished that he could turn back the clock and, and change. He had sinned grievously against himself, against Bathsheba, against Uriah, and against the nation of Israel, and finally, most importantly, against God himself. He had sinned, and he regretted it. He had godly grief. I mean, in the passage, he says, against you and you alone I have sinned, but that's his heart toward God, understanding that whenever we sin against others, right, whenever we sin against others, we are not only sinning against them, we are sinning against God. And there is sin that we do, that we commit, that is not against others, but that is, that, is, that is outside the character and nature and goodness of God. And we offend God by our sin. He goes on from regret to godly grief, and from godly grief to recognizing the problem with the heart. He said, create in me a clean heart. So regret and godly grief has led him to this place where he's looking at himself and he's seeing that his heart has been perverted. His heart has been corrupted from where it was. He was the shepherd king. He was the shepherd boy that loved his God. He was the shepherd boy that, that walked into the camp of Israel and God used to slay Goliath, the giant that was mocking him and mocking the nation of Israel. He had enormous faith in his God and love for his God. And he had, gone, he had gone cold and he'd begun to do things that he regretted and that regret led to a godly grief which led to introspection. What have I done? More importantly, why did I do it? I have a problem with my heart. I have a problem with my heart. My love for God has grown cold. My love for things and people and wealth and sex and drugs and, 
It has it replaced my love for God that I could do this horrific thing. I have a heart problem. And so what the answer to the heart problem is faith and, and petition. God, God created me a clean heart. Created me a heart that desires you. We need a cleansing of our hearts. And he recognized also the problem of the will. It's not just the heart, but it's the mind. My affections were turned away from God and turned toward perversions, but my mind allowed it to do it. My mind followed through with my heart's desires. And this, I think, is possibly one of the greatest issues we have today is the will. Is the will. we got to get our hearts right and our wills right. He says this, so sustain me by giving me a willing, a willing spirit. A willing spirit. Where is your will today? Renew a right spirit within me. Give me a will to love you and to serve you and to follow you come hell or high water. Whatever the temptation, uh, whatever temptation comes before me, Lord, clad my will in the iron of your spirit to say no. Surround me by your person. Give me a willing spirit. He recognized the need for the Holy Spirit. The need for the Holy Spirit. Repentance leads to all of these things. It is the path that leads to life. It is the path that leads to joy, to forgiveness, and to purpose. He needed the Holy Spirit. Uh, in, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come and it would go. It would come. I'm sorry. He would come and, and He would go. He is God, the Holy Spirit. He would come upon people and then He would move on. And King Saul had the Holy Spirit upon him. King Saul abandoned God, sinned against God, and the Holy Spirit departed from King Saul. Now David is begging him, and I believe David, obviously he knew Saul. Saul, had, Saul was his father-in-law at one point. He was a friend of his at one point. He was a mentor at one point. He was the king before him. And the, the Spirit had departed from Saul. And I'm certain that that was in, in David's mind, like I saw what happened to Saul. Please don't let it happen to me. Please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I cannot do anything without your Holy Spirit. And, and Christian, neither can we. But the, the comfort that we have today is God will not take his Holy Spirit from you. He will always be with you. You are sealed by the Holy Spirit until the redemption of your body. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of your salvation. He is the stamp that you are authentic, a believer in Christ. And you will grieve him as you sin and you don't repent. And you will quench the power in your life of the Holy Spirit when you reject his promptings and you rebel against him. Oh, but he will be there. He will be with you. He will not leave you. And finally, he recognized the need for renewal. Where are you today? Where's your heart today? Sin is grievous. Sin destroys lives. It destroys churches. It destroys nations. 
It's, it's not something that we can just sweep under the rug and say, ah, I'm okay, I'm all right. There was sin in the camp that Joshua was leading into the promised land. And this sin was in the camp and it was identified. They had taken idols from the nations that they were conquering. They were worshiping those idols and they were hiding those idols in their tents. Or at least one group was. And because that one group had, held, had, had hidden these idols in their, in their tent, they had taken this, this uh, they had pillaged instead of destroying everything. Israel started to face some serious consequences of that sin in their camp. Defeat. Church, I, I want us as individuals here this morning to consider whether or not there is rebellion in our heart against God in any area in our lives. It affects more than you. It affects your church, it affects your family, and it affects your witness for Jesus. You say, oh, but nobody knows about my sin. I've hidden it very, very well. God knows about your sin. And even if no one knows about your sin, your sin cannot help but impact you. And as that sin impacts you, and as it perverts and corrupts your heart, whether people know about the sin or not, it's going to pervert and corrupt your testimony. And it's going to harm our church. We need renewal. So, Pastor, this is a great path. Give me the actionable. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from how much unrighteousness? How much? That word confess and repentance, two sides of the same coin. Repentance, maaneo, is the Greek word, and it means to, to literally to turn your mind, to turn your mind. Confess means to come into agreement with. And so you're turning your mind toward God, coming into agreement with God, that what I have done is sinful, it's wrong, it's perverse, it's corrupt, it goes against your nature. And then you would follow that path and say, Lord, I, this is what I've done. Forgive me for blood guiltiness is what David said. He named his sin. This is what I have done. Forget about these prayers where you say, oh Lord, forgive me for all of my sins. If you know it, say it. Lord, forgive me for lying to my child. Whoa, 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 it's Mother's Day. You're not supposed to bring that up. Parents, you lie to your children. Some, some parents lie to their children they think they got a right to. You have no right to lie to your child. When you lie to your child, you know what you're teaching your child? To lie. And let me tell you something. They don't need you to be teaching them that. Because really your teaching is just reinforcing their fallen nature. There's some parents, they think they got a right to do wrong because I'm the parent and you're the child. You don't have a right to do wrong. 
you have a responsibility to be a role model. And so we confess it, we name it. Lord, I looked at that husband of another woman with lust in my heart. And most of the time we think of lust, we think of sexual things. That's not always sexual things. It's an it's a, it's a insatiable desire. And, and over the years in ministry, I, I've seen women lusting in their heart after someone else's husband because he was more spiritual than their husband. Oh, he led his Bible studies in his family. He was such a strong leader in his home. And they would lust after this other husband and they would foolishly enough admit it to me and, and I would correct them. Or they would talk to my wife about it. I remember one time someone came to my wife and said, uh, oh, I wish, my husband was, I wish my husband was more like your husband. Nobody's going to object on hearsay. I'm sorry, let me rephrase. Tricia, <laughs> what did they say? It's something like similar, right? And, and her response, and this is not hearsay because she told, well, is it? it is hearsay because she told the person, was, no, you don't. <laughs> Trust me, you do not. So a lot of times we, we smash the men for lusting after women, but we forget that women lust equally. And though their lust may be different, both lusts are sin. I mean, what husbands can do it too. It's not just about a woman's body, although most of the time it is, I believe. It could be about a wife that is submissive to her husband and, and attentive to her husband and, and, and respects her husband. And by the way, those are all godly attributes that every woman who calls on Christ as her Savior and calls herself a Christian should have. But guys, if we're not careful, we begin to lust after someone else's wife because they have those attributes that our wife doesn't have. And we begin to fall into that sin. Oh, I wish my wife was more like... I'm trying to think of a name that nobody knows. because I, don't... <laughs> oh, I wish my wife was more like Trisha. How about that? That keeps me safe. Name the sin. Name it. Name your sin. He says he's faithful and righteous to forgive our sin. He's faithful because Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he will always forgive you every time you ask. That is faithfulness all the time. How many times will you, he forgive you when you come to him with sincerity of spirit? How many times? All the time, every time. Righteous to forgive us. Why is it that God is righteous to forgive us? He can't ignore sin. Sin is the perversion of his nature. How, how, are we, how are we trust that he will forgive us? Why should he forgive me? Because I'm turning over a new... I'm going to be... Man, I, I swear to you, God, I'm going to make it up. For, I'm going to make it up. Why is it right for God to forgive us? Anybody? He said he would, but... Why is it right for him to say he would? Thank you. He paid. He already paid the penalty. It's not right because he says it's right. It's right because he fulfilled his own law. He paid the penalty 
for the offense that we have made against him. And so if, if God was ever to say, well, no, I, I don't forgive you for this. You've done it too many times. You've failed. This is really bad. I mean, the last time it wasn't so bad, but this time it was really bad. So you have to do this, this, and this, and then maybe I'll forgive you. That's called religion. Jesus died on the cross so that when we go to God and we ask him to be our Savior, first of all, he will cleanse us and create a new spirit within us, quicken our dead spirit. He will give us new life. He will hold us in his hand. He will never forsake us. We are a child of God from that time forward. And once we're saved, we cannot be unsaved, but we can still get our feet dirty in the world. We can still fall into sin. We can still fail. And when we do, we need a cleansing. We need a renewal, right? We need a revival in our lives toward God. And when we come to him and we confess our sins with sincerity and truth and we admit what we have done, it's not a mistake, but rebellion. He is faithful and he is righteous to forgive us all the time. And to not only do that, this is the beautiful thing, he cleanses us, that hyssop with the blood. He, he sprinkles us and we are declared clean from all unrighteousness. I love that. And then some of y'all are here like, I haven't really sinned. I'm not that bad. And if we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar and his word's not in us. So every believer who says that I have not sinned, I don't sin, I'm perfectly fine, uh, question whether or not you're a believer. I think there are days and maybe even months that you can go as you are walking in the Holy Spirit and you are filled with, with the Holy Spirit and you are in communion with God and Jesus and uh, who, who is God the Son, where you can go days and months without sinning. I believe that's possible. But to live the rest of your life without sinning? Probably not. Why? Why not? Why do you think? We have a body that is broken, a body who has a fallen nature, that wants nothing to do with God. That, that fallen nature is never going to be fixed. <laughs> That's dying. That's going away. And that fallen nature is in contention with us. And there's a fight for the control of your body. There's a fight. The spirit is fighting against the flesh. This is why it's so important to be connected to God every day, all day, all the time, because there is a contention there. You say, where is that found? It's found in Galatians. So, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. You're here this morning, you've been struggling. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. I know I'm going to shock you, because I'm going to end early today. I know. The, the rest of this message needs to be, needs to stand on its own next week. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. There is, there is forgiveness. There is a cleansing. You can be restored. You can have fellowship with your Father, with the Son, with the Spirit, like you had when you were first saved. I'll share with you, I'll try to share with you what I was talking to Trish about last night or yesterday, whatever day it was. I was talking about how 
I wish I had a stool because this is just sort of a heart-to-heart. Do I? I don't. It's okay. Um, Sometimes when we fall into sin and we fail, we want to follow the path, right? We want to follow that pathway of repentance. We want to follow that pathway to restoration. And we try. We try. And maybe we're so disturbed and disgusted with ourselves that our pride is getting in the way. Because I shouldn't have done that. I'm better than that. And so our pride gets in the way and we've got to work through our pride. We finally get to that place where we're confessing our sin, but we're holding on to it in a very real sense because we don't feel worthy. We don't feel comfortable yet in the presence of Jesus. And we think that in order to get into the presence of Jesus and in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we have to, we have to really take care of this thing first. And we miss this, this truth that we can't take care of our sin. We can't take care of it by ourselves. It's got to be Jesus. And so it's very counterintuitive to step into the presence of Christ and accept his love while we're dealing with something that we've done wrong. We almost feel like I don't deserve to be in the presence of Jesus. I don't deserve his Love. I don't deserve his mercy. I don't deserve his grace. And so until I've whipped myself and beaten myself bad enough, I, I really can't enjoy his presence. Now I'm going to ask you a question. How many of you this week have how many of you this week have enjoyed, enjoyed the presence of Jesus in your life? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. A few of you have. Like literally, I mean, we're talking about joy unspeakable and full of glory. How many of us are enjoying that presence in our lives? Why is it that so many millennials are walking away from the faith? And some will say because we don't have a strong enough apologetic component. And, and I agree that we need apologetics in our churches. And some of you are saying, what? It's apologetics. You should know by now if you've been coming here for any length of time. It's it's a defense of the faith. But I really don't think it's that. There have always been... You know, here's the thing. Most of the arguments people are making against the faith today have been made thousands of years ago. There's nothing really new coming out. How could a good God allow suffering? How could a good God do this? How could God do this? Why is God doing this? Why did God do that? And if God really loved, all of those questions have been answered over the, over the last 2,000 years. They've been answered well. You get to a point where you can answer it until you're blue in the face and the person they have decided they will not believe. But what else could there be? It, it, And I believe this, that it's because we're not focusing enough on that one-on-one relationship with Jesus where we are filled with a joy that the world can never know. We're, We're so focused on our sin and on our failure 
that we're not stepping into the presence of Christ and enjoying Him. Often because we don't feel like we deserve it. I don't deserve to enjoy Jesus because I fail. I, I sinned against Him. I, I rebelled. I don't, I don't deserve it. But here's the thing. And this is one of the things I was mentioning to Tricia yesterday. It is the joy of Jesus that will defeat that sin in your life. So just camp on that for a minute here. I said I was going to end early, and I lied. It is the, I got four minutes. Well, actually, I usually end at quarter of, so I got 20 minutes. It is the joy of Jesus that defeats persistent sin in your life. Because nothing is comparable to the joy of Jesus. Nothing can compare. But the problem we have is we allow the enemy to deceive us. And we allow our emotions to deceive us into thinking that we cannot be in his presence as with a friend, as with a father, as with our God. But when you confess your sin and you sincerely confess that, you must break through your own feelings into that presence of Jesus and enjoy Him without regret. If we don't break through into His presence and if we don't enjoy Him and we don't fellowship with Him and we don't recognize that He loves you and that you are a treasure to Him. Last week I mentioned this. You are the joy of Jesus. And He should be our joy. And bringing others to Him should be our joy. But I'm afraid that so many believers you are so steeped in failure and guilt and rebellion that you do not push through it into the presence of Christ. And so we walk through this world morose. And to get some relief, we fall back into the thing that caused us the trouble in the first place. Did you follow that line of thinking? Have you, you grasp what I'm saying? You, you, you stay in the guilt and you stay in the shame after you have confessed that sin and you will go back to the thing that caused the shame. I personally believe that. You need relief. We're going to talk about that next week. That's why I said I can't get into it. We'll be here till one. You need relief. And then you need joy. The blood of Jesus washes away our sin. The person of Jesus brings us joy within. So my challenge to you this morning, church, is if there are things in your life that you have been holding on to, let them go. Come to Jesus. Confess your sin. Be specific, like David was. Be sincere. You shouldn't be going to Jesus and say, oh, Lord, I just did this and whatever. I'm walking away. And say, well, I prayed, but I confessed it. And there was no sincerity there. 
It's kind of like taking your kid who hurt another kid and grabbing him by the hand and saying, you say you're sorry. I'm sorry. Is the kid sorry? Probably not. Probably not. We need sincerity. Lord, what I've done is wrong. I agree with you completely. And I'm coming to you as the only source of forgiveness and cleansing for this sin. And then push through. Push through into the presence of Jesus. Break free of yourself and get into that sunlight of Christ and enjoy Him. I think that another reason we don't do that is, is because we're, <laughs> we would feel guilty for enjoying Jesus. You all know what I'm saying? How could I possibly enjoy Jesus and fellowship with him and have this lightheartedness when I just did all this stupid stuff? So again, counterintuitive, don't be guilty if you're enjoying the presence of Jesus because the presence of Jesus is what is going to give you great freedom and great impact on the world around you. That's my challenge for you this morning. Don't lose hope. Bring it to Jesus and enjoy his presence. Hey all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.